The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. That is two whole ass bottles of wine I've gone <laughs> These are the tales of college basketball past as you've never heard them before. Our guests tell stories blending team seasons, on and off court moments, memories of personal fandom, catastrophe, and elation, and yes, alcohol. I'm Jeremy. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat. We do the work, you tell the story. These are the College Basketball Stories. I'm Levi Stevenson, and I'm going to tell you about the 2013-2014 Iowa State Cyclones. All right, so the deal here. I mean, fucking, I'm dying right now. I've so, I've had so much goddamn wine. <laughs> 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 I'm on a different goddamn planet right now. Well, to be fair, we just traveled the globe a few times. We did yeah. just travel the globe a few times. We'll try to find you a GeoGuessr. <laughs> yeah, find me a GeoGuessr. Um, all right. I don't know why I'm looking at Ken Palm. That's gonna be a dumb. I'm not gonna be able to fucking read this thing. Um, look at how far Iowa State is down. 156. We're below fucking Navy. All right. <laughs> God, we suck at basketball now. All right. <laughs> Son of a bitch. All right. But we're going to go back to a time when we didn't suck ass at basketball. 2013-2014. <clears throat> so, up until this point, so Fred Hoiberg was the coach. Up until this point, um, I would say it was generally, was generally thought of as a basketball school. Um, but... Had some bad runs with a couple coaches. Larry Eustace got fired, all this. And then you had Wayne Morgan, who could kind of recruit but couldn't really coach. But then you had Greg McDermott came in, was famously terrible at that job. Couldn't couldn't coach his way out of a paper bag, um, which is funny because he was really good at UNI before that, and he's been really good at Creighton since. Um, just for whatever reason, I don't know. I don't know why I took more wine. I don't need more wine. <laughs> so, um, so we get going, and Fred, up to this point, has absolutely pillaged the transfer market in a way that nobody else has ever done it before. Quite to, to the point where he quite literally changed the game of how basketball is, how rosters are formed in college basketball now, where it's not just freshmen, but transfers are such a huge part of not just college basketball, but college football too. Fred Hoiberg pioneered that at Iowa State because he went from you know a team in. Greg McDermott's last year, which I believe was 2009-2010, I think. Yes, 2009-2010. They went 15-17. Whatever, whatever you say is fact. Sure. Um, we're going to say we're gonna say some facts here at the end of the goddamn show. The, the dead gum show. Um, More wine. <sighs> wine. Anyways, um, so, yeah, Greg McDermott, he was fired but not fired like he wasn't technically fired, but he left and then went to Creighton because they were just like, here's your job. Go do that one instead. 
And uh, he did that and did it really well. Fred Hoiberg comes in, never coached a game of basketball in his life, comes in and uh, actually does does all right with the roster. He goes 16 and 16, which is really, you know, technically only one game better, but was very clearly an improved team, um, even though a roster that was not as good as it was before. Um, but that season, there would the there was kind of, I obviously had the best scout team in America because you had Royce White and Chris Allen and Tyrus McGee and Anthony Booker, and you had some really, really good transfers. I mean, that was that was that was the best scout team in America. The scout team was definitely better than the team that was on the floor every night. Um, and then, you know, then the next fall season, 12-13 season was a really, really cool. It was a really fun season. You had um Will you had Will Clyburn come in, Corey Lucius. It was it's kind of odd because you had two years in a row where you took a, a, a big Michigan State player. Chris Allen and then Corey Lucius the following year. It's kind of an odd deal, but worked out all right. Corey, Corey Lucius ended up being a really good player for us. Um, and then, well, 12-13 was the first year of George Niang, too, who ended up becoming probably the best basketball player Iowa State's ever seen. Um, Tyrus McGee, Chris George, Babs, George, really, George. really good players. George, don't pronounce the George. S on there, bud. <laughs> don't pronounce the S on there, bud. The S is silent? If you pronounce the S in there, God will smite you. For real. <laughs> um, so then we've been building and building. Uh, the previous season, twelve thirteen, we had, you know with with Will Clabber and Curry Lucius, uh, one of the best offensive teams in America. Um, really, really, really good. Um, I, th- I believe they were uh, they were eighth in the country in, in adjusted offensive efficiency per Ken Palm. Uh, outstanding team. Very, very average defensive team, but that was kind of the Fred Hoiberg era in general. Um, you get to 13-14, and you've got Melvin Edgem, who is a senior this time, one of the better rebounders the Big 12 has ever seen. He's really, really good, even for only being 6'6", six, 6'7". Six, six, um, very, very good player. George Yang's the sophomore. Dustin Hogue is an incoming transfer, kind of the junkyard dog mentality. Uh, really good rebounder. Does what you need him to offensively, but good defender, good rebounder. Um, and then you also have a, a yet unknown freshman named Monte Morris coming in, who would eventually be the and would, would eventually just absolutely trample the NCAA's assist to turnover ratio records for like the next three years. Um, you have Naz Long, who's a freshman in there. You got some really nice players that just kind of started showing up in the season. But kind of the big dog here was DeAndre Kane. He was a he was a transfer point guard from Marshall, um, and he. Yeah, uh, we are not Marshall because we're Iowa State. Um, that was far too literal to be funny, but that's okay. <laughs> wine, wine, wine. Anyway, so we're we got we got DeAndre Kane, dude. This guy's this guy's six four, two hundred pounds. This is not a point guard. This is a fucking linebacker. Like, and if you watch him play, he played like it too. He was really, really aggressive. His three point shot actually improved as the season went on. He ended up. He ended up at almost 40% from three, which is a, a significant jump from uh, earlier in his career. Was well, actually a pretty reliable three-point shooter um, at that point. But uh, he was kind of he was kind of the bully ball. And this is this is the area of Kansas State, or sorry, Kansas State. This is the area of the Big 12 when you have uh, Marcus Smart is at Oklahoma State. You've got uh, uh, Kansas that had I'm trying to think who had Kansas. Oh, fuck Kansas. Oh, they had Andrew Wiggins and Joel Embiid. That that was Perry Ellis was in his six was in his seventeenth season as a as a true sophomore. 
Um, had some good players on that Kansas team. You know, um, they've got some good uh, players down at Kansas State, too. They got Marcus Foster, Thomas Gibson, Wesley Wundu. Uh, some really nice players down there. Um, Texas Baylor. Tech's still blue, so that's good. We don't like, we don't like Texas Tech. Um, who the hell does Baylor have that year? Baylor's got oh, Torian Prince, who was actually just kind of a young mm-hmm. pup then. Corey Jefferson, Candy Cherry, Isaiah Austin. Uh, the Big 12 is still, I mean, as it continues to be, the Big 12 was really, really good that year. Um, I'm West Virginia had some really nice players too that year, I believe. Because, jo- yeah, Juwan Staten, Aaron Harris. Yeah, mm-hmm. they had some really yeah, nice players on that. Yeah, Former they had some flyer. really nice players on, the, on that um, West Virginia team. Aaron Harris was a former Michigan State player. Uh, even Oklahoma is still rocking. Cameron Clark, Buddy Heald, Jordan Woodard. That the Big Twelve was really, honestly, really, really, really good that year. And um, who was on Texas? I don't even know who was on Texas that year. Isaiah Taylor, Jonathan Holmes, eh, Cameron Ridley, Javon Felix. Not bad, not great, whatever. Big Twelve was really, really good that year. And when you were running down the was, uh, Iowa State roster, I noticed you didn't mention Harrison Barnes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the cool part. So. The not I shouldn't say the cool part. The not cool part is that 13-14 is kind of the Iowa State team that was still really good, but could have been like totally legendary among the history of college basketball. Because, you know, Harrison Barnes and Doug McDermott were both from Ames. Doug McDermott being the son of Greg McDermott, former coach Fred Greg McDermott. He fought him to Creighton, obviously, and the rest is history. But this season, you could have had Royce White. George Niang, Melvin Edgem, Doug McDermott, Harrison Barnes, DeAndre Cain. Um, you could have had a an unbelievable team. Like it, it, retrospectively, you put all of those guys on the same team. I mean, you're talking you you are literally talking about an all time college basketball team there. Um, missed out because didn't get Harrison Barnes because he went to North Carolina, and Doug McDermott because he followed his dad to Creighton. But kind of a miss. Sort of a missed opportunity there, but still a very good team, no no doubt. Um, you know, DeAndre Kane and, and Dustin Hogue were kind of the, the junkyard dogs. They were really good. They just got in there. They got rebounds. They got they just got the 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 tough buckets. They the team still shot the three very well. You had Monte Morris. You had uh, Naz Long was still back there, and, and Naz Long had a couple of really great kind of almost his two career defining moments came in this particular season in his freshman season. Um, or I guess this would be a sophomore season, I should say. Um, and then George Niang kind of really developed. Yeah, this was this was still the fat version of George Niang. This was still when George George Niang was still like eating ho hos and ding dongs. George Niang before he kind of got in shape. Um, <laughs> so, you know, earlier in the you know early in the season they start out fourteen to zero. I mean, they get they're ranked really high going up for it. They pick up a couple of really good wins and they beat Northern Iowa. They beat. Uh, they've been they beat Iowa, and then they have a couple, you know, here and there. They go to I, they go to BYU earlier in the season. They go to BYU and uh, um, was it Dustin Hoger, Melvin Edge, one of the two? They flipped off the crowd. I can't remember which one. Pretty sure it was pretty sure it was Melvin Edge and flipped off the crowd. That was a pretty fun. Yeah, game. that sounds right. Um, yeah, that sounds right. Um, and people forget that BYU team was really good. Um. I'm trying to remember who was actually on that roster, but that BYU team that year was really good. Um, uh, well, you also left out the. This is this is a great. Yeah, Tyler Hawes and Matt Carlino. They were Tyler Hawes was a really good player. 
off. He did the fake. Did the fake. Oh, nope. Because they were probably yep. counting off his steps. <laughs> <laughs> dude, Melvin Edgem is awesome. The funny thing, he's he is like the nicest dude ever. <laughs> so I, I, there's two, I've had two encounters with Melvin Edgem off the court. The first was he accidentally was in a rear end accident. And I just like stopped by, opened my windows, like, hey, man, you okay? And he's like, yeah, that's okay. And uh, that was it. But the second one, yes, right there. DeAndre can't get in that dude's fucking face. Wait, was Love he it. ejected? Mm, yes, he was. I mean, I don't know. What, um, I don't know how good diehard sport is. But... No, he's <laughs> giving him the yeah. captain. Hey, there's Monte Morris. Look at that right there. There's Monte Morris. Look at that. Um. So then, the other the other off field thing with my, with Melvin Edgem was that Iowa State held a world record attempt for the largest game of knockout in Hilton Coliseum. And I ended up right behind Melvin Edgem, and I knocked his ass out. Awesome. <laughs> and then I tweeted about it like last year. I was like, my my random brush with celebrity was I knocked Melvin Edgem out of the greatest tournament, of the great uh, the the world record knockout attempt or whatever. And he actually replied on Twitter with like a laughing emoji or whatever because he remembers. But then they beat Texas Tech. This is back when Texas Tech still sucked. Um, so they beat Texas Tech. They beat Baylor. Started up 14-0. I mean, they were ranked really, really high. I can't remember exactly how high they were ranked because I'm far too intoxicated to remember. Um, so then they got going. And <laughs> then, unfortunately, kind of lost three in a row. You had Oklahoma, Kansas, and Texas right in a row. Three good teams, uh, and you're playing them on the road, too. So you played, you played Oklahoma and Texas on the road. Now, this Kansas this Kansas game kind of sucked because so this is why I, I was still a student back then so i was at all the home games for this particular season um because andrew wiggins made life kind of miserable for iowa state in that particular game he had uh 17 points and he had 19 rebounds some shit like that crazy number he had 19 rebounds yeah 17 points and 19 rebounds for andrew wiggins um and joel Embiid had 12 points and fucking nine rebounds too. I mean, that was a really, really good Kansas team. It kind of is what it is, but we go to Kansas State, get a win. We end up losing to Kansas again. I don't know. Um, so a couple games later, you're at Oklahoma State. At this point in time, Iowa State has not won at Oklahoma State in a very long time. It's been a, It's been like 15 years or some shit since Iowa State has beaten Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State at this point in time. Uh, it's been a long, long time. They played tough throughout the game. And Oklahoma State's pretty good this year. They've got Marcus Smart. They've got um, uh, uh, it's not Keaton Page, the guy that followed him. Um, they're the, the just the white total sharpshooter guy. Um, Phil Forte, yes. And they've got Markel Brown, LeBron Nash. Really good, really good, um, really good team. Marcus Smart kind of ended up becoming the kind of the enemy of the Big Twelve because he flopped all the time. Shit. Um, <laughs> Still does. Fuck Marcus Smart. Um, so, anyways, we do that, and it goes into overtime. And I believe it's in the second overtime. Naz Long hits maybe the biggest shot of his entire career, and just buckets a three. Um, I think it was in the, is either in the first or the second overtime. He just nails a three. Um, to tie it up. And then eventually Monte Morris had a really big three in the corner as well. And I would say gets its first win at Oklahoma state in a very, very long time. And that was kind of the first time that we'd really, 
mean, it wasn't the first time we saw Monte Morris, but it was the first time that we that he did a he did something really big in a game. Now, obviously, he would go on to become the greatest point guard in Iowa State history. Um, but this was still when he was backing up DeAndre Kane, and he just hit that really, really big three from the corner. Um, that was only for unfortunately for Oklahoma State, that was only the first time that they uh, caught the wrong end of Nas Long. <laughs> Um, so then you go to TCU at home and, um, this game was interesting. TCU is back then was still not very good, but Melvin Edgem set the big 12 scoring record with 48 points. And he also tacked on a, just a cool 18 rebounds, uh, against, against TCU, 18 of 22 from the floor, uh, two of two from three. I mean, pretty much. Just about the best possible game you can have uh, as a small forward slash power forward in the Big 12. And the red wine's gone. And uh, I just two whole ass bottles of wine. <laughs> He's got the Slipknot whiskey. Man, I appreciate that. Good shit. It, it, was, even on, it was even on sale today. Was it? Yeah. It's good though, isn't it? I, well, I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to have my first sip ever of it. Oh, I you waited, for, well, I waited well, take, for you. Take your, take your sip. Take your sip. That is pretty damn good. It's good, isn't it? It's good. Turns out fucking crazy-ass metal bands can make good whiskey. Anyways, um, I'm just playing with my, my wine corkscrew over here because it's got nothing to corkscrew its ass into. Don't worry about it. Um, fucking, we're talking about basketball, right? We talk about football instead because our basketball team sucks ass cheeks. Um, you're talking about how bad TCU was. Yeah, well, oh, oh, so my so my other story from that game. So this was back uh, when I was in college, and Iowa State was really good. And so, anyways, I uh, for two and a half seasons. At Hilton Coliseum, Hilton Coliseum has a second level, and there's a there's a um, a concourse, and there's a path that goes in front of the concourse um, up on the top on the top level. And we've had somebody last I don't even know how many years, long time, that someone takes an Iowa State flag and runs around the concourse during the fight song at the end of the second half media timeout. I did that for two and a half years, and I went and did that. So I went and did my flag run, and came back down. And the the trainer for TCU. Came up to me and handed me a glass of Gatorade. This is back when you know Melvin Edgeman has like 40, 47 points or forty six points at this point in time, and we're just blasting TCU. And uh, the train, the TCU trainer, because I'm I'm sitting in the closest and in, in the very front row in the very farthest left chair, right next to the TCU bench. And hold on, I got a white burp. So dramatic. Um. Anyways, so you're sitting down there in the corner in the corner seat, right next to the TCU bench, and the TCU trainer comes over and, and handles me hands me a cup of purple Gatorade, and he goes, "Here, looks like you were working harder than our team all the whole night, so you can have this." And I was like, <laughs> "Fuck yeah!" <laughs> uh. So I got that one. That was a good game. It didn't really end up meaning anything in the con in like the greater kind because TCU sucked, so it didn't really matter. Um, so anyways, you get going and, well, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to 
fucking lost my spot because I'm drunk. Okay. Uh, so TCU, and then you go to then you go to West Virginia. They get fucking blasted. I remember watching that. Iowa State got blasted that night, and I did too, at Estas Bar and Grill in Ames. Shout out to Estas, best tacos, maybe maybe on planet Earth. Um, Way to go! There, they have a, they have a special from eleven to three. All you can eat tacos for eight bucks. Mm. Yeah, that's yes. pretty good. Um, fucking, what are we talking about? Basketball. Anyways, um, <laughs> they get destroyed at West Virginia. I get destroyed at Estas. Whatever. Uh, TCU sucks. We beat them. Texas is fine. We beat them at home. Uh, TCU sucks. We beat them away. Then we've got West Virginia. Good win at home. Um, good was at 17 point win at home. Oh, look at that mental math. It's good shit. Um, yeah, 17 at home. And, uh, I'm going to put I'm gonna set my wine corkscrew down. This is getting a problem. It's getting to be a problem. See, this is the problem with with the drunk podcast because I don't know when to stop, and I'm sitting here fucking struggling trying to explain a goddamn basketball season. Do you need another bottle of wine? <laughs> I'm. <laughs> I don't know. Or a bush, yes or or no, bush light. I don't. Or a bush light. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. All right. You know, what? I'm just gonna. Fucking, we're going to truck through it. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, and then you have a couple shit losses. Baylor always has a number at their place. And then the tied for first greatest uh, moment of Naslong's career comes against Oklahoma State on senior night. And I was there in attendance for this in my usual spot in the corner seat next to the opposing bench and just tackling uh, – throughout the game and I would say this down three with like six seconds left or something like that. And Phil Forte, who is like a 93% free throw shooter, misses a free throw. DeAndre King corrals the rebound, goes up the floor, dishes it to sophomore Naz, Naz Mitri Long, or actually at that time it was just Naz Long. I changed his name later in college, but just Naz Long. I passes it over to them and just chucks it and banks in a three at the buzzer. And if you remember Waterboy, when he's like rubbing his nipples at the end of the movie and you're like, he's like, like one of these, like every Iowa state fan in the building was rubbing their nipples. Like it, it was pure euphoria. It was like someone dropped a bomb from the ceiling and it was just, Covered in ecstasy. That's all it was. Just a big ecstasy bomb. Like they were running it through the vents at Hilton Coliseum. And we're all fucking horny at this point. And we're getting ready to go into overtime. And Naz Long is running around like, look at me. And we're all like, look at you, man. <laughs> Who'd you know, Look at us. Who'd have thought? And we're all like, not me. And uh, so Naz Long is sitting there doing this. We ended up winning that game in overtime. By four points, it was dope. Go to twenty three seven, twenty three and seven on the season. It's like a Swiss Army at this fucking corkscrew. It's ridiculous. Um, fuck me. Uh, so okay, we're at, so we're at, we're going to the Big Twelve tournament. And if nobody knows, Iowa State owns the fucking Big Twelve tournament. That is our shit. 
when Iowa State fans go down to Kansas City, we absolutely overrun that place. Even though it is like half an hour from Kansas, from from Lawrence, Kansas, where Kansas is, uh, we own that place. Kansas City is ours. That is Hilton South. We go there. We beat Kansas State. We beat Kansas. We go to the championship game. We fucking beat Baylor. Fucking Baylor. And we go to beat Baylor in the Big 12 championship. We win the Big 12 tournament. It was amazing. An amazing tournament. And Kansas City, the Power and Light District, was overrun with Iowa State fans. Uh, great. Outstanding moment. And uh, we get to the tournament now. So now you're, now you're the automatic qualifier of the NCAA tournament. And you end up, I'm trying to remember what seed Iowa State was. Like a four seed or some shit? I don't know. You guys got it? Four seed? We're a four seed. Yeah, we got it. We're a four seed. I don't know. Right. Oh, no. Okay. So we're playing North Carolina Central in the first round. North Carolina Central is kind of a sneaky, kind of a sneaky uh, mid-major. One of those that could upset somebody. Uh, ended up not being issued ninety three seventy five, but George Niang breaks his foot against North mm. Carolina Central. Mm. Mm. Georges, Did you say Georges? <laughs> no, you said Georges. You silly fuck! <laughs> I heard the S on the end of it. <laughs> Can't sneak that by him. <laughs> Right. What's coming out of this cartridge group? <laughs> Wait, hold on. Ow, I fucking picked my skin. <laughs> fucking hurt. I'm fucking bleeding now, you fuck. All right. <laughs> that hurts. Oh my god, I'm bleeding. Anyways, son of a bitch, dude. Look at like I'm fucking bleeding from a podcast. Anyways, so <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so we get to play North Carolina, and they and they're doing pretty well, honestly, without George because George can't play because he broke his foot. And holy shit, this is bleeding. Um, <laughs> I fucking like. I'm not even kidding. Like, look at this shit. It's fucking bleeding. Any insurance uh, companies that want to sponsor us, we're open. For do I get workers? Com- do I get workers comp for this shit? This is crazy. I'm gonna pick at it for like two weeks now. Uh, anyways, so we go play pretty well, honestly, against North Carolina. And DeAndre Kane hits a buzzer-beating layup to beat North Carolina. Really great win. Um, and then comes UConn and Shabazz Napier. Mm. Now we were talking about before that whatever I said is truth. Is that still does that still hold? That still hold. Always. Whatever I say is truth. Okay. Hold on. I'm like trying to manage my blood output here because I'm bleeding. Um, and uh, the incontestable truth here, because Iowa State ended up losing to UConn, the eventual national champion. The incontestable truth is that had George Niang not broken his foot, Iowa State would have beaten UConn, would have beaten all of the successive opponents and would have won the 2014 national basketball championship. Iowa state was a better team and the rest of that bracket was not difficult. This was back before Virginia was the number one seed, I believe in that side of the bracket, but Virginia was not really good. They were, they were, they were good, but they weren't like really good. Iowa state would have beaten them that year. 
Um, they would have beaten, I think it was Michigan. I think it was Michigan that they played in the that that since that UConn played in the Final Four. Um, right? Was. Am I right? So they had Michigan State. Uh, they played Iowa State, then Michigan State, then Florida. Okay, they played Florida in the in the Final Four. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, so, anyways, they played. So they played Michigan State. We would we would have beat Michigan State. Um, Florida is not really an issue too much. And then they played Kentucky. They had like Julius Randle and that the, the really really underseeded Kentucky um, in that, but still still good underseeded Kentucky. It was like two. It was like an eight and a nine seed that were playing for the title that year or some shit like that, or an eight and eight or an eight and a nine or something like that. Iowa State would have beaten Michigan State, Florida, and Kentucky. No problem. Iowa State should have been the 2014 national champion, if not for George Niang breaking his foot. I'm fucking bleeding, guys. Look at this shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is the first ever injury sustained while recording a podcast. Um, yeah, and you know that that season will always go down as what if for like a for a bunch of different reasons. The what if, and you know, the first what if is what if you have. Doug McDermott, Royce White stays. You have Harrison Barnes. You have all that, and you're talking about. You're, I mean, you're legitimately talking about one of the greatest college basketball teams ever for ever, ever created. Um, but now you're talking about what if? What if George Yang doesn't break his foot? Maybe Iowa State is your national champion because because oh, you know UConn was fine, but they were led by Shabazz Napier, who's a good player, no doubt. Um, but he was just one player. And when you have George Niang, who is Iowa State's best scorer, most efficient scorer, if you have him against UConn, they're not doing anything. I mean, Iowa State's winning by ten. I mean, I, I don't, I don't see UConn is definitely not at full strength. UConn is not the better team than Iowa State. They're not. They're just. They're not. They're not a better team. Iowa State wins that game every time. Um, they're, they'll beat Michigan State. Michigan State was good, but they weren't. They weren't like light years better or anything like that. I mean, that's a team that Iowa State would have beat. Um, Florida would have been your, probably your Florida bit would have been your tough, toughest game, honestly, because um, they had what Casey Prather, Scott Willoughbykin, yeah, Dorian Finney-Smith, some good players. Um, certainly not anything that Iowa State couldn't overcome. I mean, Iowa State the because the the crazy part about that team was it was a team that could really hit the three really well. You had George Niang, Melvin Edgem could hit three. He has long, Monte Morris, Jandre Kane was a good three-point shooter. Dustin Hogue was a good three-point shooter. That team could really hit the three, but that team was perfectly happy with getting into the rough-and-tumble junkyard dog games where you have to go get rebound and you have to defend out long possessions. That team was perfectly happy to do that. And, uh, you know, because they were, they were, what, ninth in offensive efficiency, and they were... 55th in defense, which, yeah, 55th is not. I mean, that's still, that's still top 25% or whatever. You know, that's still pretty solid defensively, but really, really good offensively. I mean, they were untouchable offensively, just like most of the Fred Hoiberg teams were. Just just totally untouchable on the offensive end. You could, you, you could hope and try, you could hope and pray that you could stop them on offense, but you weren't, you weren't going to. You were just going to, you were hoping that you wouldn't get to 90. I mean, that, that's really what that team was. Because I think they, they kept up a long streak. Uh, let me see. Because they kept up a long streak of scoring over 70 points. Actually, every single game that season, they scored over 70 points. That Iowa State offense was really good. And there was a long time where they were in a streak of scoring like 75 points. Actually, so they scored 70 against Boise State. But 
Um, they never scored below 70 points that entire season. And uh, a pretty uh, sorry, they didn't up until the Baylor game. The Baylor game was the only one they scored less than 70. Um, it's a really, really good offensive team, a pretty solid defensive team, one that was perfectly capable of being physical with any team they needed to be physical with. They could shoot over anybody, and that was a really good basketball team. And like I said, incontestable truth. If George Niang doesn't break his foot, Iowa State is the 2014 national champion. I do have to ask, how do you pronounce Mr. Niang's first name? George. Why is there an S? Because it's fucking French, (laughs) motherfucker. There you have it. That is the story. And these are the college basketball stories. Was it 100% accurate? Yeah, that sounds right. Follow us on Twitter at the CBB Stories. Also, see all of our inebriated storytelling podcasts as part of the Stories Podcast Network at the Stories Pods on Twitter as our guests rewrite the past across various sports. Alcoholic drinks are consumed voluntarily by our guests at their own discretion. Please drink responsibly. Hi, I'm Levi Stevenson. You're watching Disney Channel. No, I, <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to find the sound clip for that earlier. The, 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 da, 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 da. I was trying to find it. I was going to be like, just, well, that's the wrong one. But I was going to put it there <laughs> on my soundboard. <laughs> I don't even know what else I got. Jeopardy. Nope. No, I already got that one. Yeah, that one's not bad. It's this one. <laughs> Oh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's thing. There we go. Anyways. <laughs> I was like, I don't know why I have that on there, but I do. Well, I was just going to ask, what context is that one on your soundboard? Permanently. Uh, what was that? <laughs> and permanently. Not like yeah, you're it's, adding it, it tonight. It's there. <laughs> uh, that's actually, I would say it's, uh, that's actually, I would say it's an entrance song for football games. This is the Stone Cold Steve Austin theme. I can't say. I guess it's relevant. It makes sense. Bush lights him. Yeah, that works. I just yeah. can't see. I just can't see Matt Campbell walk out of the tunnel. Dude, Matt that. Campbell is a huge pro wrestling fan. Huge pro wrestling. Like, to yeah, like, I mean, he's like, he's like, I guess you. He, I guess you live in Iowa. You have to be so. No, I'm actually. I have. I can honestly well, I say I've never watched. I have never watched one minute of pro wrestling in my life. Not once. I'm not. Okay. I'm not far behind you, but I was a big fan when I was a kid. I thought it was real, though. So, uh, well, not all of us can be that, smarty pants. That is, which was worse, that or Santa Claus? When you realized it wasn't real. <laughs> what? <laughs> Santa's not real? <laughs> spoiler alert! Yes, yeah, my, my eight my eight months gonna hear that and just wake up and start. Crying. Coco, cover your ears. And once this is once this is released, <laughs> yeah. some kid in the yeah. backseat of a. You know, some fan is gonna be very mad. You have thoughts on the Iowa State basketball team? Let's hear it. Fine. Hello, do you have thoughts on Fred Hoybert saying a swear word? <laughs> nope. All right. Fine. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> We almost got started.
We almost got started. Uh, so what do you want me to say? I'm Levi Stevenson, and this is something? Yeah, uh, and I'm going to tell you about the 2013-2014 Iowa State cycle. Oh, yeah. All right. Fucking UConn. All right. So since then, it was pretty good for another few years. Then the following season, you had... Uh, so it's on 2014-2015. That was Bryce DeJohn Jones. Monte Morris was in his sophomore season. You had Jamil McKay. That was the season that we will forever hear about for them losing to UAB in the first round because a lot of people had them picked to go very, very far in that tournament. And then they all decided to get frosted. Monte Morris and Jamil McKay decided to get frosted tips in their hair (laughs) and fucking ruin the tournament for us. So we lost to UAB, and Fred Hoiberg goes to Chicago after the season, goes to the Bulls. And then Steve Prome takes over in George Niang's senior season, Monte Morris's junior season. You have still Jimmy McKay. You have Matt Thomas, who's emerging. You've got Abdel Nader. You have Abdel Nader, Deontay Burton. And they go to the, I believe, the Sweet 16. Yes, against Virginia. Holy crap, my, like... Chess is trying to decide between heartburn and just collapsing in on itself. <laughs> All right, I'm trying to read now. Um, yeah, Iona, and it's funny that Arkansas Little Rock game. You know who? Did any of you know who the coach of that Arkansas Little Rock team was? Nope. Chris Beard. Mm. Oh wow. Yeah, so the so he went up against Arkansas Chris Beard's Arkansas Little Rock team, very good team. Uh, ended up beating them by seventeen. They, they just kind of got out out talented that game for the most part. Um, and then to go up against Virginia, so that was that was the Malcolm Brogdon version of Virginia. Very very good team. Um, ended up not yeah they were, they were fine. Two thousand seventeen, um, you come in and this is Deontay Burton, Monte Morris, Nazmi True Long. Uh, Matt Thomas, Donovan Jackson, Nick Weiler, Bab beat. You're down 13 in the second half to Kansas. Come back and win that game because because De- uh, Deontay Burton goes. Uh, I believe he went. I believe that game at, at Kansas. I'm, let me check for sure. I believe he went seven of nine from three, which I maintain to this day is the single best shooting performance in Iowa State history. Yeah, he went seven of nine from three. Of all the good three-point shooters that have been, I would say Matt Thomas, Jake Sullivan, Jeff Hornacek, um, lots of good three-point shooters at Iowa State. Uh, Deontay Burton, of all people, goes seven of nine from three. And uh, it's past scratching his back. Yeah, I'm going to do it with a corkscrew. <laughs> yeah. Bleeding down your back now. You be bleeding. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It isn't a good podcast if you didn't draw a little blood. Um, oh my god, they still had Spice Love like Mikhail Luke in that in that fucking game. Holy shit. Um. Anyway, so that was a pretty good team. And then we started the gradual downfall of Iowa State basketball. Because the next season, you had Lindell Wigington, admittedly, very good player. Diamond Jackson was still there, Cameron Lard, Nick Weiler-Babb, not a good season. Um, 
probably a fairly predictable one based on you losing Deontay Burton and Monte Morris and Naz Long and Matt Thomas. You lose all of those guys. Um, so they kind of struggled a little bit. 19, not bad. They have Mario Shayok, Taylor Horton Tucker, who had just got start, who just started for the Lakers last night. Um, Linda Wigginton, Michael Jacobson, Terrence Lewis, Nick Wilder, Bab, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, his freshman season. If you are, if you pay attention to the NBA at all, you will know that Tyrese Halliburton is a very good basketball player. Um, this was his freshman season, where ten games into the season, he decided to just up and set the uh, single game assist record <laughs> with seventeen against I know, Southern or something like that. Um, they ended up winning. It was interesting. They ended up winning the Big Twelve title that year. Uh, beat Baylor. They like. Beat Baylor, beat Kansas State, beat Kansas um, in that in that tournament. I watched that. I was actually at that tournament, watched all those games, and pretty pretty impressive. The guy ended up losing to Ohio State in the first round of the NCAA tournament because they couldn't deal with the size inside. And then this year, or sorry, the last two years really, um, not good. Twelve and twenty in two thousand in the uh, nineteen twenty season with Rashir Bolden, Tyrese Halliburton got hurt hurt halfway through the season, so that doesn't that doesn't help anybody. And you um, may, you may have won the Big Twelve tournament. We don't know though. We you are still. Yeah, you could have won. Interestingly it. enough, Iowa State is still the reigning Big Twelve tournament champions. Yeah. Yes, and uh, the 2020-2021 season, not going super well. Um. Currently two and seventeen. Not great. Who are the two? Uh Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Jackson State. <laughs> uh, uh, Quad yeah. one wins. Yes, yes. Uh something like that. If one is four, then yes. <laughs> I uh, the old, uh, I yeah, the reverse ten pound. Yeah. What'd you say? Said the reverse Ken Palm. Yeah, I don't know yeah, what it looks. Yeah. So Iowa State currently in a state of massive disrepair. Um, I would assume the everything that I've heard is that Steve Prohm will be fired at the end of the season. Can't say for sure. Um, which I guess I, I don't know when this podcast is going to go out, but um, maybe by the time this podcast is published, Steve Prohm will have already been fired, and Iowa State will have already hosted uh, hired a new coach. Um, the mayor, bring back the mayor. So that's that's a funny thing. I do know for a fact that Jamie Pollard, Iowa State's AD, and Fred Hoiberg, there's a little bit of tension in that relationship because of the way Fred Hoiberg left last time just to go to the Is it because he used a bad word? Is it? (laughs) (laughs) Um, It is not. Maybe. I don't know. Um, Well, I do know that there is some tension there. I do know that there's some bad blood there. I think I would be surprised if Fred Hoiberg came back. Um, yeah, I don't know. The, the problem with college basketball and hiring new coaches is that there isn't, like, college football is overrun with really good young coaches in their 30s. There's a shitload of them. Like, you, if you fired, like, if you fired your coach right now, you'd have five or six guys right now that are in, like, they're, like, 33 years old and they've been coaching for five years, and they're really good. There's tons of them. There's tons of good young coaches and good young coordinators in 
in college football. Um, college basketball is not that same way. There is not the same level of young coaching talent in college basketball as there is in college football. Now, there are a few guys like Darian DeVries from Drake, um, Porter Mosier from Loyola Chicago, uh, Craig Smith from Utah State. Um, uh, what's his name? I can't, I can't remember his name from UNC Greensboro is very good. Uh, and the coach from Winthrop is also very good. Um, and then there's, uh, uh what's his name? I can't remember his first name. His last name is Stevens. He's an assistant coach in Michigan state. He's been coaching. He's 46 years old and he's got 16 years of coaching experience under Tom Izzo. Like he got hired as an assistant under Tom Izzo at 30. And he's their head of recruiting and player development. Now, if you don't know this, Iowa State actually has a really good history of recruiting Michigan. Monte Morris is from Michigan, and Iowa State's all-time leading scorer, Barry Stevens, is from Michigan. Um, have had a very good have had very good success rate of recruiting Michigan. And you have a guy that's been recruited that has been sitting under Izzo for 16 years as recruiting and player development. Knows Michigan, knows how to develop players. Not a bad option. Um, so we'll see. Um, but Iowa State currently definitely in a transition phase, definitely behind the football team. I would say it's a football school for right now. <laughs> um, I'm okay with it being a football school because fo- being a football school is better than being a basketball school. It just is. Um, being better at football is more lucrative. It's better for your national brand. Pretty much better all the way around to be a, to be a football school than it is to be a basketball school. You would rather be Alabama than you would be rather be Duke. Hundred percent, rather be Alabama than Duke. I was at the football school right now. That's fine, um, but I'm hoping because Alabama because Iowa State is traditionally more of a basketball school. Definitely, definitely more of a basketball school. And uh, so, hope we're there because Hilton Coliseum is known for having to, for being a really tough place to play. Right now, Hilton is not a tough place to play. And that's one of the big complaints about Steve Prohm is that Hilton has been not, they have not defended Hilton very well at all this season or in the last few years. He lost to UW Milwaukee last year at home. It's bananas. You can't do that. You can't lose. You can't lose to UW Milwaukee at Hilton Coliseum. You can't. There's a reason that Fran Fraschilla calls it. After after Allen Fieldhouse, the toughest place to play a college basketball game, Hilton Coliseum, after Allen Fieldhouse. There's a reason that Fran Fraschilla calls it that. It is extraordinarily difficult. When I would say it is good and the fan and the, and the crowd is good at Hilton Coliseum, you are not winning at Hilton Coliseum. Bill Self couldn't do it. Nobody does it. You do not win at Hilton Coliseum when I would say it is good and the fans are in it. You don't. But right now, I would say it's not good and the fans are not in it. And that's the tricky part about where Iowa State basketball is now is that we're past anger. We're not angry anymore. We don't care. Somehow Steve Prohm has managed to make Iowa State basketball fans not care about the team. That's so, it's so much worse than anger. Anger is something that comes right, right when, when teams start sucking, anger is the first thing that people feel. Anger, I'm, I'm angry that this team is not performing. I'm angry that we're not winning at home now genuinely there's been three at least three times this season 
where I where one of my writers has come to me and said, "Hey, by the way, we've got a game tonight. Do you want me to do the the preview for it?" I'm like, "Oh fuck, there's a game tonight," because I don't I don't pay attention to the schedule. Because why would I? The team sucks ass. There's no reason for me to watch because I know they're going to lose by twenty. There's no reason to. And somehow, so Iowa State is known for being a really loyal and passionate fan base. That is our thing. We are known for being loyal and being really passionate. That's our thing. That's our thing in football. It's our thing in basketball. If, if, if Iowa State has any brand at all, it is that we have loyal and passionate fans that will cheer for, will cheer for bad teams. We did for a long time. Somehow, Steve Prome has made Iowa State fans not care. How bad do you have to suck at your job to make Iowa State fans not care about their basketball team? That's monumental. You have to suck really bad. You have to be very bad at your job to make Iowa State fans not care about basketball. It's incredible. You like it's not it's not like we're not we're not a blue blood like Kentucky or Duke or North Carolina where the, where they expect to make elite eights and final fours and national championships here. We're not that, but we expect to be able to be, in, you know, we expect to make the tournament, we expect to be competitive in the big 12. That's what we expect as far as, as the, as far as the basketball team goes, but they haven't done it at all. They haven't protected home. They haven't protected their home court. You know, they haven't been competitive in two years. It's getting, but you know what, what's bizarre though, is people keep justifying keeping Steve prone because quote, He's a good guy and he's a good recruiter. You know what he isn't a good you know what he isn't good at though? Winning fucking basketball games. <laughs> That's the problem. He might be a great guy. And he is a great guy. I've talked to him in person before. He's a good guy. He's a really good guy. Uh good recruiter. He's pulled in some good players. You know what he hasn't done? Win fucking basketball games. Even when he had George Niang and Monte Morris. The two like highest IQ basketball players you could ever possibly ask for. All you do is literally you hand the basketball to Monte Morris and you say, "Here, score ninety points." And Monte Morris is like, "Okay, let's score ninety points." And then ninety points are scored. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to coach Monte Morris and George Nang. There's nothing you have to do. You give them the ball and ninety points show up on the scoreboard. That's what happens. But somehow. Even the two seasons that they went to the Sweet 16, they were in the first round. You know, even those first two seasons when you still had those rosters, they still underperformed. They still weren't as good as they should have been. It blows, it blows my mind. And I see, unfortunately, I, I see that there's a potential that I could see that same mistake being made in this hire. Because part of the deal with Steve Front was, you know, he. Coach Cameron Payne and Isaiah and Isaiah Cannon, and you know Murray State won a whole shitload of games in a row, and all this. And you know he's a good guy. He's a family guy. That's great. I mean, I get it that at Iowa State you kind of have to fit the culture. You have to kind of be a family guy. All that. <laughs> but um, you know. I'm 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 afraid that they're gonna do something stupid, <laughs> and uh, I think I've, I'm afraid that they're gonna that another coach is gonna be hired based on are they a good guy? You know what? I don't care. He can be Bobby fucking Knight, 
If he wins 25 games, I don't give a shit. <laughs> I don't care. I do have to ask, how do you pronounce Mr. Niang's first name? George. Why is there an S? Because it's fucking <laughs> French, motherfucker. <laughs> so, so you want to know the real answer? Because his dad is his his ancestry is from from Senegal, which free which speaks French. He's Senegalese. Senegalese. Yeah, he's Senegalese in in ancestry. Senegal speaks French. The S is added because it's French. George George Yang. There you go. All oh, that Geogesser. <laughs> Mr. Niang. Mr. Niang. When Hilton Coliseum is going and when it's loud, you can't, I mean, you can't hear anything. I mean, you're, it's talking, you're, I mean, per, I mean, I, I went, I was there for four and a half seasons. And when Hilton Coliseum is loud, it changes your heart rhythm. It is so loud that it, like you can feel your heart change beats. Like it's like, it's like, it is like forced heart arrhythmia by playing in Hilton Coliseum when it's loud. It is the most, I, I mean, I've never, I've never been to Hilton, to, to uh, Allen Fieldhouse at Kansas, but I, I legitimately, I have, if it is somehow more difficult to play at than when Hilton is loud, I don't know what it would be. I mean, it, it, it really is hard to describe because it is so loud. You cannot hear yourself think your heart is literally beating at a different rhythm than it was previously. You are, it is so loud. It's it's unbelievable. It's it's an entirely indescribable experience. I if if you haven't been in an arena that loud before, there's no way for you to like even visualize it. There's no way for you to kind of like think, oh yeah, that would be kind of loud. I want I wonder. There's no way for you to visualize what that feels like, where you cannot think because these because the sound is so loud. You can't think straight. Your your heart is beating differently. You you can feel you can feel the vibrations in your bones because it is so loud. There's there's just something different, man. When Hilton is going, when Hilton Magic is alive, man, there's nothing there's nothing like it. Like it's it's something to be romantic about. It's it's just man, it's it's just different. <laughs> so yeah, all right, you so need a romantic drop on that soundboard. Yeah. I was trying to fill well, Marvin Gaye. Try- <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> no, that's good. That was good. I was trying to say there's probably a Hilton Honors joke somewhere in there with how uh, obsessed you were with it, but uh, I, there's there's no place like it, man. I'm telling you, there there just isn't. No. So what I was gonna say. So uh, obviously, a football school right now, right? But. Hilton Coliseum over anything that Jack is Jack Trice Stadium, right? Yeah, Jack Trice Stadium. Yeah. Yep. Hilton when, Coliseum so, over that at its peak. When they're both the, at their peak, when they're both at their peak, they're very difficult to play at. When it, when Hilton is at its peak, there is no more difficult Jack. place to play in college basketball. When Jack Trice is at its peak, it's very loud. It's very difficult to play at, but there's still only sixty five thousand people. It's not like it's a hundred thousand people. It's not like it's not like the big house in Michigan. It's not like Alabama. It's not like Clemson, whatever. When when Hilton Coliseum is loud, it is impossible to play at. I mean, it, it's just it's a totally different level. I mean, it's 
Because like, like people talk about like Cameron Indoor Stadium is is difficult to play. Cameron Indoor holds ninety like ninety five hundred people. Like Cameron Indoor, yeah. Indoor is tiny. Like it doesn't take anything to fill up that arena. It doesn't take anything to make that place loud. Hilton Coliseum holds sixteen thousand five hundred people, and it is loud, 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 loud. Like totally cannot concentrate on anything. Loud. It is when Hilton Coliseum is full. I struggle to think of a, a an arena that is more difficult to play in. There it there may not be when when it's when it's one hundred percent loud. Jack Trice loud is really good. It's a really good arena, but it's still a football. It's still a football stadium, so it's still it's more spread out. There's more there's more green space. So it's well, basketball's all, basketball's always going to be more right. Basketball like, like Hilton basketball, Coliseum. Yeah, yeah. When it, when Hilton Coliseum is loud, it dis, it literally disrupts your five senses. Like you just cannot, you are you are disoriented. You don't know. Like it's it's difficult to get your bearings. You probably have a headache. You probably like it. It is just mind boggling how Hilton Coliseum's noise just totally affects your your way to perceive the world around you. It is so loud. Whereas Hilton Jack Trice Stadium, when it's loud, is really fun. Like it's it's just super loud. It's fun, um, but it's not gonna like wreck your sense of the world around you like Hilton Coliseum will. God, I've got a piece so bad. There's two buck, two fucking bottles. Take, of wine take a set. break, because I also have two okay. piece, so it's fine. Okay, let's. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was perfect because it was. Um, you were upset about. Pat saying George's again. <laughs> <laughs> you were threatening him with it and you stabbed yourself <laughs> or pinched yourself. That was perfect. Yeah. Worst part is that's going to be there tomorrow morning. I'll be like, fuck me. That was dumb. Why did I do that? All right. You'll remember. Yeah, we'll Pat remember. said George's. Yeah. Fucking commie. <laughs> fuck. <laughs> <laughs>